we'll be traveling to a distant planet today. How does pop culture really affect our environmental choices? Well, stay tuned to find out. I'm Valentina and thanks for tuning in to my Life Without Plastic. Well, hello, hello everyone. This week's episode is coming at you a little bit late, but you know, me being the Mean Girls fan I am, I had to post on October 3rd. You know, it's October 3rd, everyone. Happy October 3rd. <laughs> I'm kidding. Honestly, life just got in the way and I'm really working on finding a good recording schedule to be able to post every Tuesday, but for sure you'll be getting a brand new episode next Tuesday, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, today we've got ourselves one interesting topic. You know, I really wanted to incorporate pop culture into my podcast somehow, and what better way than taking a look at some movies, shows, songs, and really everything that shapes our everyday lives. I really wanted to just take some time and analyze how all of that pop culture that we consume relates back to the environment, how realistic it really is, and of course, our very favorite thing, finding that conspiracy. Let's be honest, I know that's why y'all are here. <laughs> so without further ado, let's dive right into it. Or should I say, let's fly right into it, because today we'll be traveling 4.37 light years away from Earth, all the way to the beautiful and mystical world of Pandora. And yes, you probably guessed it right. Today we'll be talking about the movie Avatar. You know, uh, I just wanted to share with you some background about the movie. I'm sure you already know plenty about it because, duh, it's Avatar. Um, but just a quick background um, on the story. We're going to see some examples from the movie and how they actually relate to real life compared to, you know, life on Earth. How accurate are they? And of course, we can't forget our conspiracy. So for sure, stay tuned till the end of the episode to find out what some fans have to say about the movie. But let's start with a quick reminder. What exactly happens on Avatar? Well, on the lush alien world of Pandora, live the Navi, beings who appear primitive, but are highly evolved. Because the planet's environment is poisonous, human-Navi hybrids called avatars must link to human minds to allow for free movement on Pandora. Jake Sully, a paralyzed former marine, becomes mobile again through one such avatar, and he actually goes ahead and falls in love with the Navi woman. As his bond with her grows, He's also drawn into battle for the survival of the world. And of course, this is just a quick synopsis of the movie. And by now, everyone listening to this podcast probably knows about it and has probably seen it multiple times. But I really wonder how you personally analyzed it. Well, you can definitely say that the movie is quite popular. At least it got recognized in so many different categories. It's won a bunch of awards. And just to mention a few, Academy Award for Best Cinematography, Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, Best Film, Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Best Director, Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best 
what is that best action movie you know the list goes on and on and on overall so many different awards for so many different categories so it was a very impressive movie just as a reminder it came out in 2009 and we're still talking about it so it's pretty much a pretty big deal I'm not going to go into too many details about the actual story because by now everyone probably knows the story. Humans arrive on a distant planet, they try to destroy the native population, the natives fight back, and the humans leave said planet with their tails behind their legs. Pretty typical, right? Well, interestingly, people have interpreted Avatar in all kinds of ways. And that's why I asked earlier how you interpret that movie. It's one of those pop culture moments when folks who are looking for an agenda see theirs in the story of blue people and their trees. And you can find tons of interpretations about Avatar explaining how it addresses so many different issues. But of course, today, I want to focus on the sustainability message in Avatar. Of course, we are a sustainability podcast and that's what would make most sense, right? So I found this juicy interview from 2019. You know, I feel like when you bring forth such a strong environmental message, like in Avatar, the person directing the movie must have some idea what he's trying to achieve there, right? And this is why I started looking up some interviews with uh, James Cameron and just kind of wanted to see where he stands and what he really believes in. And in press interviews at the film launch, He talked about climate change, Uh, you know, he didn't just talk about the story and actors and technology, but he actually addressed climate change directly. And I found it very interesting that a decade later, he was still talking about that. Um, So I wanted to share some of those details with you. And in this particular interview from 2019, James Cameron talks about the climate crisis and he says, people need to wake the fuck up. Him and his wife have been supporting environmentalist causes for decades. Susie Cameron has led a charge toward plant-based eating in efforts to reduce the dramatic carbon footprint uh, the meat protein creates. And James Cameron has woven climate-conscious themes into franchises like Avatar. And he tells Variety that the forthcoming three sequels will do the same. And here's where it gets a little bit interesting and, you know, I just like steering shit up, so let's see where this one takes us. You know, the two are investors in the plant-based company Verdian Foods and uh, contribute to numerous eco-causes, including the Global Green and Oceana. And Cameron does not mince words uh, in sharing his thoughts on apathy about the climate crisis. He says, people need to wake the fuck up. We're going the wrong direction as fast as possible. I like to say that we're like a Talman Lewis. We're driving straight forward the canyon at 90 miles per hour with the radio cranked up and top down. And the pair are taking um, thorough steps at food uh, sources to contribute to managing the crisis. Uh, Cameron specifically says that they feel like that was one of the least well-served, least understood, and biggest, most important ways uh, that they could affect uh, the climate change. The director thinks renewable energy has plenty of brain power behind it, as does transportation. We tried to find something that was less well understood and was a major level that could affect change, he says. Food is a good one. It's probably the second biggest one. Well, ahead is transportation. The real solution is change the way you live 
This is what he says. Change the way you live. And through their investment in Virgin Foods, Susie Cameron says the company is building a vertically integrated business down to the farms it hires and the seeds it uses to make meat substitutes. That also dramatically reduces the carbon footprint of the beef industry. Look at the amazing success of Beyond Meat and the stock market. I mean, it's not a trend, it's actually the way the world is going. If you look at what the beef industry is investing in and what the dairy industry is investing in, they're investing in plant-based milk and cheeses and yogurt and meat products, she says. She also says, go ahead and buy Priuses and Teslas, but if you're driving to McDonald's, you're not helping. <laughs> and I mean, let's, let's be honest, she's right. Everything we do has consequences. And even if we try to be a little bit better in one area, but continue with bad habits in another area, we have to question ourselves how big our impacts are. Um, but, you know, that's a very passionate statement there, what she points out. Um, you know, someone being so interested in electric cars and just reducing footprint through transportation, but then going to McDonald's. And as we talked about during our episode on veganism, that movement is also not perfect, right? But it's not about being perfect. It's about collectively being imperfectly sustainable and making bigger changes together. And I know that it sounds really nice that more companies are investing in plant-based options. But again, companies want whatever makes more profit. And as we've explored previously in, the, in previous episodes, plant-based products definitely gives companies uh, bigger profit margins. So, of course they're investing in it. It doesn't mean they support the cause 100%. They definitely support their profits 100%. <laughs> so always keep those things in mind. When you read such things and, you know, just question why people are so interested in supporting the environment, do they truly care? Or is it just about making more cash? But you know what? We can question why celebrities or companies get behind a cause and if it's their true intention or not. But there's one thing we can't question at all, and that is how pop culture impacts real life. The enormous popularity of Avatar just shows the power of popular culture and how it can change opinions and behaviors in a very subtle and probably also subconscious way. For example, how many of you first learned about the Holocaust from reading the diary of Anne Frank in high school, for example? Or maybe the first time you truly understood the implication of energy choices after seeing an inconvenient truth. And by the way, later in the month, we've got a great episode on energy coming up. <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> we, yes, uh, we meaning I, the podcast host, I, the cameraman, I, the copywriter and editor, I, the director and producer, uh, we all have a great energy episode coming up. So stay tuned for that. But uh, back to my thought, for all the media and messages coming out of, you know, any climate change conference worldwide, I can't imagine that they have the same impression on the public as a movie such as Avatar. And it's the classic and to some also infuriating truth. But, you know, it is a truth that popular culture is just that popular. And the amazing visuals and compelling storytelling of Avatar is helping a whole new generation learn some important lessons about sustainability. 
And, you know, you don't have to believe me. You just have to ask yourself, had that been a documentary or had that been a report published by scientists or some politicians, would it have had the same impact? And I really don't think so. I really think that the way Avatar was presented, the story behind it, the amazing, you know, again, the amazing visuals, everything just combined into this unique message. And the movie came out about 11 years ago now. So there's an entire generation that in 11 years um, has developed a deep connection with the world around them. And, you know, this generation has learned to be just a little more thoughtful about how their actions impact the greater world. And some are not exactly sure where or when they develop those beliefs. We are that generation. Pop culture has such a great impact on our everyday life without us even realizing it. It's a very powerful tool that can be used to change patterns and behaviors. And I personally think that pop culture is even more powerful than listening to scientists and politicians share just another message. I mean, think about it. We don't tend to trust politicians in specific, but also scientists, because you always have to do your research on who really pays those scientists. Do they have an agenda? Are they truly unbiased? But I feel like when we look at pop culture, we tend to forget about those concerns. We tend to overlook if anyone would benefit from promoting certain ideas through pop culture. And, you know, we don't really question if a movie is biased, if a song is biased. We just take it for what it is, and it somehow impacts us. I think that it's definitely something to think about, because everything we consume, all the information we receive, was chosen by someone to be shared with us. And we always have to take everything with a little bit of a, you know, a grain of salt, and just critically look at it and see how true is it, what exactly is the message behind the message they're trying to send. Well, I think we've been talking for a while. How about we take a quick break? So today I wanted to share with you a product, but also kind of a concept, if that makes sense. And I wanted to just talk briefly about plastic straws. You know, when we talk about movies, we go to the movies, we eat popcorn, we drink Coke or whatever other soda you choose. Obviously, plastic straws involved, but not just the movies. I feel like plastic straws are a big part of our lives. And the problem is that plastic straws are not really biodegradable. They cannot be broken down naturally by bacteria and other decomposters into non-toxic materials. And most plastic straws simply break into even smaller particles, releasing chemicals into the soil, air, water. And those chemicals are harmful to animals, plants, people, and of course, the environment. So for today's episode, I wanted to make a suggestion to ditch plastic straws. I know that's nothing new. I'm sure you've heard it. But you know, maybe you're wondering how, how can you do it easily? Well, my preferred alternative is the metal straw. I personally think that it's convenient to carry it around. Whenever I go out, I just make sure to tell the waiter not to bring any straws. And usually people admire me for that. You know, I've gotten lots of cute little messages from waiters before um, just for making an effort to ditch a single-use plastic. And, you know, if you just don't want to spend any money or, like, invest in anything new, there's also another way of doing it. 
uh, you you can always just refuse the straw you know um, just refuse it altogether drink straight from the cup it's your choice <laughs> all right let's get back to the topic so you know I thought it would be a great idea to just take a look at some examples from the movie and compare them to what's actually happening on Earth in real life. Cameron said that while Avatar doesn't strive to provide factual information applicable to Earth's environmental struggles, the movie does succeed in kind of provoking an emotional response that can be used to propel people into action. And the trick he added was to entice audiences into the theater with what he called eye candy and then present a story that might shock viewers out of their environmental denial and motivate them to work for change. So the first thing I wanted to point out that is I think the most obvious thing about the movie is really the relationship to nature. Clearly, the Navi embrace the interconnectedness of themselves and their physical environment and are keenly aware of their impact of their actions on the world in which they live in. And one could consider both of these messages as core to sustainability mindset. So, you know, on the one hand, embracing and enjoying being connected to nature, making that part of who you are. And also, on the other hand, understanding that all our actions have consequences. I think that those two ideas are really fundamental to leading truly a sustainable lifestyle. And I really don't think that it's possible to achieve a 100% sustainable or zero waste lifestyle. Like I mentioned that in the last episode, I think that it's a very extreme approach to it. But just the fact that we understand what an impact and how big of an impact our actions have, I think that's already a great step in the right direction. It's a great first step in understanding how we could improve in different areas, which areas are easier for us to improve on, and so on. So I think that this part is starting to slowly come back to us as we get deeper into this sustainability movement. We have more local farms rising, more sustainable agriculture, more people are starting to see that their actions are having serious consequences and are actively trying to make a change. You know, I think that, for example, farmers markets are becoming a lot more accessible. Community composting is becoming a lot more accessible. Recycling, um, you know, even though, as we mentioned before, is kind of like the last step of the sustainability ladder. But still, recycling is also becoming a little easier for people. And like I always say, whenever things are becoming more um, convenient for you, you're much more likely to participate in them. But, you know, I think that there is a big problem that we have to consider. We tend to react to whatever we see happening around us. But, you know, we're not really proactive about about those things. Uh, we call them crazy tree huggers. We call them conspiracy theories. And all of a sudden, those are the people that are leading this <laughs> movement. You know, those are the people that have been preaching the same thing for decades and they're now becoming the mainstream ideas. So we have to, again, be a lot more open-minded when new ideas come. We have to be more open-minded when our beliefs are being criticized and questioned and really try to see what areas in life we can improve in. 
And to my second point, there is another theme in Avatar which I think is very important to discuss and very much similar to what's happening in real life. And this is what people call the real Avatar story, which is seeing indigenous people here on Earth. We're not talking about a population on an alien planet. We're talking about indigenous people here on Earth fighting to save their homes from corporate exploitation. This happens times and times again. And there's just so many reportings on this, but it seems like there's never enough actions being taken. So I wanted to share this story. Um, it's kind of old. It happened around the time the movie came out. Um, so, But it's just one example of many uh, of what some indigenous people have to go through. And I really think that it's a very impactful story that kind of paints a good picture of what's happening here. For decades, real indigenous tribes around the world have faced off with big corporations. Mining, oil, gas, you name it. Anything that exploits their land. These corporations, much like the company in the film, usually have support from the government and also access to security forces, sometimes in the form of either ex-military or state police. And yet, unlike the film in which the indigenous group triumphs in the end over corporate and military invaders, the real-life stories of indigenous tribes rarely end this way. Most of the time, they're the ones who lose the battle. In Avatar, the indigenous tribe called the Navi use poison-tipped arrows to defend themselves against the guns, gas, explosions uh, used by the human invaders. And art imitates life. In June of 2008, violence erupted in Peru as heavily armed police clashed with indigenous protesters. Some carried spears, others were unarmed. And the indigenous tribes were protesting nearly a hundred new rules pushed through the Peruvian government that made it easier for foreign companies to exploit oil, gas, timber, minerals, and other things on indigenous land. And the violence that followed led to the death of 33 police officers and at least 10 indigenous people. With indigenous groups saying the government went to great lengths to hide or dispose of bodies to make it appear that fewer natives were killed, bodies were allegedly dumped in rivers. But what is known is that 82 protesters uh, suffered gunshot wounds and 120 to in total were injured. And protesters say tear gas was used. In addition, some say machine guns um, you know, were used. And just weeks after the bloody incident, Texas-based Hunt Oil, with full support of the Peruvian government, moved into the reserve with helicopters and large machinery. A scene not unlike Avatar, which shows a corporation entering indigenous territory with gunships. Uh, the testing alone involves 300 miles of testing trails, over 12,000 explosive charges, and 100 helicopter land pa uh, pads in the middle of a largely untouched and unknown region of the Amazonian rainforest. The reserve, which was created to protect native people's homes, may soon be turned into a land of oil scars. Indigenous groups say they were never properly uh, consulted by Hunt Oil for use of their land. 
Um, and, you know, again, this is something that happened in 2008. Uh, in good news, the last thing I could find about this issue is that after struggling for nearly a decade in 2017, indigenous people were finally able to begin celebrating the withdrawal of hunt oil from their reserve. But then again, it did take them over a decade or nearly a decade to kind of um, start that process. I haven't been able to find any, um, you know, specific information of what happened after, but I really hope that things worked out for them. Uh, you know, this is just one of so many examples of how big corporations exploit Earth and disregard the people affected by it. Avatar is a cry out to mainstream culture to question if there is more more to life than just a high bank balance, good job and a big car. And, you know, it's kind of reminding you that some things just can't be bought. And at some point, we need to draw the line and we need to see where our morals and values lie as human beings. But we've finally gotten to the juicy part of the episode. Let's spill some conspiracy tea. <laughs> Um, the movie has received so many awards and obviously overall there is a very positive sentiment towards it. It's influenced so many people and being more conscious of their environmental impact. It's definitely brought more attention to so many issues, um, not just the way we treat nature, but also the way we treat the indigenous tribes around the world, um, any way that we exploit our homes, right? Because this planet earth is our home uh, but even the best things in the world need to be questioned and this is what we're doing here so let's take a look at what's out there let's take a look at what fans specifically most of those theories are fan-based uh, what they're saying about the movie and what really goes on behind the scenes so the first um conspiracy theory is a fan theory that the planet Pandora functions as a giant and incredibly intelligent neural network and essentially rewrites Jake Sully's mind to protect one of its primary networking hubs. So right before he connects to the tree of knowledge or you know whatever it's called he's Still talking like a marine, mentioning that he's tired of this hippie bullshit and how he's super excited that he's getting his legs. And then all of a sudden, bam, he connects to the planet and suddenly everything is sacred. He's in love and yada, yada, yada. I know it's supposed to be a powerful scene where he realizes that nature must be preserved, but the theory goes really well with the fact that everything on the planet comes together to defeat humanity during the final battle. So the theory claims that ultimately Sully is brainwashed and he becomes like the dragon-like or bird-like creature that we see so sort of a species that hates the navi but are really under the submission of their warriors so the theory goes that the reason the navi became the dominant species on pandora is because they learned how to manipulate the planet through neuro cue contact so what do you think about that? Do you think that Jake Sully was actually brainwashed? Maybe he was never in love? Maybe that pretty girl uh, didn't really care about a relationship with him, but just wanted to like get someone from the humans on 
or avatars on on their side um and not destroy their planet i mean technically that would be a valid argument to manipulate someone um into you know getting to your on your side so that his kind doesn't um destroy your home (laughs) so i don't know i feel like this could have some truth to it but let's see what else is out there well the second theory claims that the navi themselves were genetically engineered pretty much every other species besides the navi that we see populating pandora in the original avatar film has six legs and the navi only have two legs suggesting they're not really pandora natives or at least they don't have a hundred percent pandora native dna and the rda infiltrated the navi when they first arrived on pandora by putting human soldiers inside navi bodies to create human navi hybrids as part of the avatar program but it seems like the navi have already been genetically engineered from the dna of pandora's organic uh, life and some other humanoid species so there could be some more to the navi's background than we've been told do you think so do you think that it's possible that um, the navi maybe conquered that planet themselves so so far i think those two theories are pretty strong like what if the navi actually conquered the planet and what if they're using the planet's resources like they understand how the planet works how nature there works and they're using it for their advantage to be the dominant species i think that there's something behind that you know i think it's not like completely impossible but you know there's one more theory i have right here um and i think this one's getting a little bit scary so the theory says that humanity will die on earth uh of course they're talking about the movie not um us humans here right now so the whole reason for the human's arrival on pandora is um in the avatar movie is that humanity needs this material called unobtainium or some something like that so basically we need that to survive And in the hypothetical future of Avatar, the human race has used up all of Earth's natural resources and is is on the brink of extinction. So this is not far from the truth, you know, like we are already on the way of running out of essential natural resources. Um, And this is something that we've been talking about for several years now. And this is why so many people have been so passionate about teaching and spreading more awareness about sustainability and just being more mindful of what resources we use up here on earth because the truth is that they are not endless there is an end to them and if we don't use them smartly this end will be rather sooner than later right Um, the whole problem there is also that we're gonna see implications much sooner than when we run out of them right like it's not like one day we're gonna run out of um, natural resources and then implications would start no prices will rise way ahead of time you know as soon as things start becoming more rare to find prices will rise and um, you know not only that but we could see nations starting to fight fight again for resources i mean history repeats itself right so overall a very negative outcome is projected for the humanity um, 
in the movie Avatar. But not so far from the truth here on Earth, right? If we don't take care of um, of our behaviors and habits, um, it's not that far from the truth. So let's just hope that this last theory is not something that will happen. But again, hope is good and all, but hope doesn't get the job done. It's really up to us to just um, start making some changes you know, as James Cameron says, wake the fuck up. <laughs> well, this is all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it made you think a little bit more about your individual impact. And like I always say, there are always multiple truths to a story. So overall, I believe Avatar had a great impact in the way people started seeing the environment again. It is not so much hippie to care about the environment anymore. It's becoming more and more the norm, which I'm genuinely happy about. And we still have a very long way to go. But I think that as long as all of us realize that we don't have to be perfect about our approach, we just genuinely need to care a little more. And we also need to open our eyes. We need to be ready to be questioned and also to question our own decisions. And regardless of what we choose to do, we will always have some sort of impact that's unavoidable, right? But we have the power to decide how serious that impact will be to our planet, to our community, to our home. So folks, wake the fuck up. <laughs> Make sure to tune into the next episode when we'll be looking at the good news from September. You know, we've talked plenty about bad things in the past couple of weeks, so I think it's good to look at the bright side again, um, see what's going on around the world. Um, you know, remember today is October 3rd, so go watch some Mean Girls and maybe see if your life has been subconsciously impacted by that movie as well. Well, See y'all next Tuesday. Bye.